This is episode 583 of the Leaving Laodicea broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. When God places before us a conditional promise, you know the if-then promises we've talked about in the past, we have a condition we have to meet in order to receive the blessing or promise from God. It's really that simple. Sometimes there are two conditions to meet, like in Romans 10, where we have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, that's one, and believe in his resurrection, that's two, in order to be saved. Other times, there are three conditions that must be met, as in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And then sometimes, amazingly, there is only one condition that we have to meet in order to receive not one, but two conditional promises from the Lord. Sorry, not to sound too secular, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And one place we find this is in 1 John 1, 9, where if we confess our sins, that's one condition, God promises us both justification or the forgiveness of sin and sanctification or the cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Think about it. It almost seems too good to be true. So join us today as we unpack the blessings of this if-then promise and learn how to grow closer to him by learning how to leave Laodicea behind. When we look at the if-then promises of God, sometimes we see that God gives us two conditions we have to meet in order to receive one promise. We find that in the book of Romans, for example. Condition. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, second condition, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, one promise, you shall be saved. Pretty good promise, by the way. Sometimes you have three conditions that have to be met in order for one promise to be fulfilled by God, but usually that promise is incredible also. We find that in Proverbs chapter 3, and these are very familiar verses. Condition number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Condition number two, and lean not on your own understanding. Condition number three, in all your ways acknowledge him, promise, and he will direct your paths. But there's one familiar if-then passage, which is often called the Believer's Bar of Soap, that is found in the first chapter of the first letter of John that has one condition and two promises. And in it, we find that if we meet this one condition, then these implied two promises God will grant to us if we simply meet the one condition. And the two promises of God encompass the totality of salvation this side of heaven. They're incredible, both our justification and our sanctification. And that verse, of course, is 1 John 1.9. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what exactly does that verse say? We're going to break it down word by word so we don't miss anything. Let's get started. If, that's the condition, something we must do in order to receive the promise. If we, we, that includes you and me. So as you're reading this, make it personal. Put your name here. If Steve, if Bob, if Mary, whatever your name is, make it personal. If we confess, that word means to admit, to concede, to affirm, or agree. If we confess our sins, the hour is inclusive, 
everyone has something to confess to a holy God. And the word sins means offense, wrongdoing, failure, or fault. It is an act or feeling that transgress something forbidden or ignore something required by God's law, whether that's a thought, a feeling, something we say, or something that we do. Literally, that word means to miss the mark or the true end and purpose of our lives, which of course is God. And note, it is sins, not just sin, as in more than one sin. If we confess our sins, this is a condition that was prescribed by God. It is something we must do. It is non-negotiable if we want to receive the promise that comes from that one condition. And the good part is that by his grace, it is something that we can do. Next in this passage, the Spirit through the pen of John lists only two of God's infinite attributes as proof of the truth of his promise. Only two, faithful and just. God is faithful and just. Here's what it says. If we confess our sins, he, that he is God, the sovereign one, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, always present, he's the creator of all, of which there is no one higher, no one more glorious, no one more beautiful or of greater worth, and there is no more lofty goal in which to devote our lives than to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. Let that sink in for a moment. That is who we're talking about. He is, not was, not will be. This is his current attributes. If we confess our sins, God the Sovereign One is faithful. Faithful. That attribute means that he is worthy of belief, our trust, our confidence. He is sure and steadfast of true fidelity. And of all God's immeasurable attributes, the Spirit again, through the pen of John, list only these two, as if they are enough already more than we can handle. So we already have faithful, and now we have just, which means righteous, correct, perfect, upright in everything without error. And listen, it means free from favoritism, self-interest, bias, or deception. And now, After stating his conditions and attributes, the Spirit reveals the two promises or results we can rest assured of after we meet the condition. Note, it is because he is faithful and just and does not show favoritism or bias that these promises are for everyone. That includes me and that includes you. Everyone who confesses their sins, no matter how great those sins may be, how unworthy you may feel, or how many times we've tried and failed in the past. To God, it doesn't matter. Do you realize that every day is a new beginning to him? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. This is the first promise, the promise of forgiveness, of justification. To forgive. That word means to send forth or away, to stop blaming or taking an offense into account. It means to leave, to release, to let go, to dismiss. God, in effect, is choosing, based on our confession, to send our sins and the consequences of them away from himself and us, to no longer blame us for our offenses, to release, to let go, to dismiss the consequences of our sin as if they never happened. 
We are now free from the condemnation, guilt, and shame that comes with our sins. Sounds like Romans 8, 33 and 34, doesn't it? Where it says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect, which is us? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and who makes intercession for us. And if you go one verse further, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it lists all the things that we would think would separate us, but they don't. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Us, our. Again, that's inclusive. It means you and me. So make it personal. Put your name in there. If Steve confesses his sin, God is faithful and just to forgive Steve of his sins. Again, that's plural. The sins we confess are the sins he forgives. And there is no sin that you or I have committed that is too great for him to forgive. Which brings us to the second promise, holiness or sanctification. The verse goes on, and in addition to forgiveness, to cleanse. That means to purify and cleanse from the pollution and guilt of sin, to make us innocent, pure, and undefiled once again. Literally, in the scripture, it means to cleanse from leprosy. In other words, we're not only forgiven of our sins, but everything that comes with that sin is gone and we're made pure and innocent as if we have never sinned. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. That's inclusive again, make it personal, from all. This is one of my favorite words in the Greek, it's pos. And a little small word means each, every, everything, the whole, in totality, without exception. It means that there's nothing that doesn't fall under the word pos. All means all. And this verse says that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness, all injustice, what ought not to be, that which is wrong, wicked, our our failure to adhere to the moral principles, commands, or laws of God. Everything that brings us shame and guilt, we can be cleansed from after our confession of our sins because God is faithful and just. That's what the verse says. What exactly does it mean? It's a conditional promise. And in this conditional promise, the Lord shows us the breadth of his salvation by forgiving us our sins, which we've talked about as justification, and also by the promise of living a Christ-like holy life, which is sanctification. When he cleanses us from all unrighteousness as a result of our confession, He does this not only positionally, or how God sees us, but he also does it in our practical lives, or how we allow him to live through us daily. And for me, this is the greatest blessing of this passage. You see, not only does God forgive our sins, but he also empowers us to live a life pleasing to him in holiness and righteousness, since we have, as Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Listen, through surrender and faith, 
we can experience in our lives what Jesus commanded when he said in Matthew 5.48, therefore you shall be perfect. That means without defect or blemish, complete, wanting nothing. How perfect? Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the essence of the surrendered life or the life of consecration to him. So now it's our turn. What do we do with this information? We've looked at the conditional promise, what it says, and to a lesser degree, what it means. Plus, we have been encouraged to take it at face value and to make it personal by putting our name as the one needing to confess and our name as the recipient of all his promises. So are you ready to do that? And if so, do that now. Don't wait another minute. And after you've experienced his forgiveness and the blessing of allowing the Spirit to sanctify you and daily conform you into the likeness of Christ, then on a personal level, deep down where you let few people go, honestly answer this question. What does this passage mean to you? And has this one conditional promise become real to you? Now, I know many of us are often strapped for time. So let me give you four quick takeaways from this passage so we can kind of give it to you in bullet point, cliff note form. Four truths you can take with you. Number one is the importance of confession. God will forgive the sins you confess. Note that. He will forgive the sins you confess, all the sins. So confession is the key. Number two, God is faithful and just. His promise to one is his promise to all, including and especially you. He does not play favorites or consider your sins or my sins too great to forgive. How do we know this? Because he says he is faithful and just. Number three, the possibility of forgiveness. That's the question of the ages. Can God forgive sins? And now you know the answer. Yes, he can. And not only that, but he will. All you have to do is confess your sins and ask for his forgiveness. So do that today. And finally, the promise of transformation and renewal. Finally, we don't have to be like we've always been. We can be changed, transformed, and renewed into what we've always longed to be and not what we've become. I don't know about you, but nothing sounds better than that to me. Do you agree? Well, good. Then let's get started. Let's confess our sins. Let's hold on to his promise and be changed and transformed and renewed by his spirit. Until next time.